You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 400. Yes, episode 400 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and if you're a longtime listener to the pod, you know that uh, on milestones such as this, I call one person, one person alone, and that person is Robbie Callen of Uprock Sports. What's up, man? What's happening, man? 400, that's, uh, that, is, that is well over a, a full year of doing this if you did it every day. You've been grinding, man. Uh, yeah, we're uh, looking at, let me see here, I guess I, I started this is during, years su- yeah, during Summer League of 2016, so uh, we're yeah. nearing the two-year mark. On the pod, uh, a lot of a lot of content, a lot of changes, lots of uh, roster overhaul. Uh, when we started, we were talking mm-hmm. a lot about a summer league that was headlined by the likes of Mike Miscala. Um, yeah, I remember. And, and now we're here, um, John Collins, Torian Prince, and the number three pick. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I, I would say the, the majority of our time this evening on this fun Monday will be dedicated to the upcoming draft because that's, of course, the headline topic. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on one situation before we get to the draft, and that is because we've not talked. Well, we we you and I have talked, but not not in this form, <laughs> not in this format about Dennis Schroeder since Dennis uh, decided to go in front of a live microphone and declare two teams that he wanted to be traded to. Uh, yeah. In the middle of the summer, I've I've said a lot about this, but I know, I know it's been a while now. But I wanted to get your thoughts, not necessarily all about that, but just kind of where you are on Dennis in general, whether he has to be traded, quote unquote, and kind of just how you feel about about good friend of the program, Dennis right now uh i mean like he's not in a position where he has to be traded i mean i know there was like the weirdness with like bays and torian on twitter like there was weird a, I, I, have not, I have not covered that so yes that's actually worth talking there's about like, there's some weird there's like stuff weird, going on weird like. stuff tweeting going on bays just bays seemed to just be being bays but torian was definitely like there's like something about like if you're not a captain you're a troop and you should follow it was some weird like really weird like analogy metaphor thing torian's uh, uh torian social media is really something i will say that i Just mean bizarre bizarre but uh you know so it was like an in between a like subtweet and a motivational quote um f- f- fell in like that weird like I don't know. There's, there's like a, a chasm between those two. You got to fit uh, in or fit out, Robbie. That's, that's right. If we, that's if right. we learn anything at all from the NBA, that's that's what that's I would right. say it has to be. That's right. Uh, so that was bizarre. I don't know if he has to be traded, but I think at this point it's better for all parties involved if he is. Um, and and I think I think draft night could be you know it's, as the easy segue is draft night could be where we see those at at least rumors pick up in earnest because the number three pick isn't going to be on the table. I've had people ask like, what do you, what do you think they do at three? Do you think it's possible they move it? And I, I just don't see anyone with the thing is you don't move the number three pick unless you're just moving back somewhere else in the top 10. Like you're not moving it for, you know, 12 and 13 for LA isn't going to get LA any further than I would say maybe eight. Um, like that Chicago pick right there, uh, is that seven or eight that Chicago has? They have eight. Uh, yeah, eight. Oh, sorry. So, no, they have seven. I read that wrong. They seven, have seven. Yes. So I think, yes, that's right. Cavs have eight. Yes. So I think seven's about as, about as high as I could see the Clippers getting. 
with those two picks. And, and everyone else, when you look from anyone that might consider moving up. So there's been rumors that, you know, if I, I think their phones will blow up if Doncic gets passed over by the Kings, if you see Bagley go too, then all of a sudden Schlenk has a very interesting decision. Uh, I think the decision should be just take the kid. You know, you take him if he's there. But if they aren't in love with him, like there are reports that a lot of teams aren't in love with him, uh, which could be some weird smoke screen from... There are a lot of reasons people would have to float that out there. There are agents over here stateside that, you know, have reason to kind of try and bump down the international prospect. There's plenty of reasons for people to... uh, talk about league sources saying not you know people are kind of coming down on Doncic for whatever reason um if for some reason they are if for you know they legitimately aren't super crazy about him and the Mavs want to make sure that they get ahead of the Grizzlies because you know everybody thinks pretty much Doncic goes to Memphis if he makes it to there yeah I could see the Mavs making trying to make a package but I don't see what they offer um you know, maybe it would be five for they would say, Hey, we'll we'll take Dennis, but that doesn't make sense for their future <laughs> with Dennis Smith Jr. No, it doesn't. Um so like I, I just don't see so with that in mind, like I don't see the team that can swoop in and sweep them off their feet with asset plus top ten pick, because that's what it's gonna take, what it would take, uh, in my estimation. I don't see the team that has that. The magic don't have it. Uh, the Bulls don't have it. The Cavs definitely don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think of all those teams, and I've, I've been participating in two different mock uh, mock drafts uh, as someone who's picking for the Hawks and getting a lot of offers for the third pick. Um, for instance, in these, and that's, of course, that's not necessarily representative of what's actually going on, but it is a reminder. And when you're when you're forced to sort of act as the GM and look at these offers, and even if, you know, fake as they may be. There are not a ton of teams. I mean, there are teams that want to get to number three for sure, but there are all there aren't a ton of appetizing packages unless right. you're including like 2019 unprotected picks. That's kind of the only but thing that actually. Then. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's not even like unless you're a team that's like really far away, that isn't necessarily that appetizing because you know if a team is you know first as Dallas is trying to get a free agency, I don't think Dallas right. is suddenly going to be a 55 win team next year. But if Dallas signs a free agent or two and wins 40 games, that pick isn't going to be blowing you over. Right. And same with Memphis. I mean, Memphis could easily, if they get health from Conley Gasol, like that's probably a fringe playoff team. And like that right. pick isn't necessarily appetizing anymore. And by the way, they already owe their 2019 pick to Boston. So, I mean, there really are. I mean, I guess. And the, the 2019 draft is not, uh, not like great outside no. those very top guys. Like it's not like this year where, and we'll get into this, where kind of any of those very top five dudes you feel pretty comfortable taking and pretty comfortable that you're going to get a starting caliber player, which I know people think, okay, you're taking in the top five, you want a star. But if you look back historically, like you're really just trying to land a starting caliber player for a very good basketball team. You know, like one of the best number three overall picks is Al Horford. Like that was if you look back at number three picks, like that was one of the best that we've seen in a long time. Uh, and Al Horford's a great player. He's a perennial all-star, but like that's at the very top of what you get at number three. So you're, you know, this year 
if you can tell yourself you're going to get one of these guys that you feel very comfortable their floor is quality starter in the NBA, that's good. Uh, 2019, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not a uh, super duper draft guy. I kind of, I lock in round tournament time as but so you're many right. do. I mean, 2019 is just not, but I mean, nobody, said, you can't find anybody that does this for a living that would tell you 2019 is the same kind of caliber as 2018. It doesn't no. exist. And so I think if you're talking about, you know, oh, they would have, you know, can you blow the Hawks away with a deal by adding a 2019 pick in, the fact that the Hawks got the third pick this year, then all of a sudden you throw in the crapshoot that is the 2019 lottery with the new lottery rules that take away the incentive as much to be at the top of there. Um, I, I just I just don't see it. So that is the long-winded answer of I think if you're if you're talking about a Dennis trade, it's Dennis in 19. Uh, would not surprise me. And again, like we've talked about, that's the sweetener to try and get someone to give you something a little more than a salary dump, basically. Um, we've talked about the Noah deal as a potential. If you want to do better than that, if you want to do better than one of these um, kind of just dumping Dennis off for shorter-term bad money, Biombo's contract, Noah's contract, whomever's contract. You're going to you're going to have to add the sweetener of the 19th pick to get anything of kind of value. But the Hawks having the 30th and 34th picks as well gives them the leeway to do that. And I think you you see them try hard to move Dennis on draft night. I don't know if he gets moved, but I do think they're going to try very hard to make it happen on draft night. Um because for a lot of teams, that's when they can make moves. Uh, if you wait till after draft night, pretty much every team in the league is sitting here playing a waiting game until LeBron James makes his decision because that will determine what teams in the East decide, let's go for it now. That determines what teams in the West have cap space. That determines an awful lot of stuff for Everyone. the majority of the <laughs> league. I mean, the majority of the there are... I would venture to say there are five teams in the league that aren't going to be really affected with their free agency plans by the LeBron thing that actually have kind of the ability to do something. I think Phoenix is one of them because Phoenix isn't going to be in play for any top guys, but I think Phoenix is going to be a major player on the restricted free agent market uh, because I think they, they will feel confident that, okay, we're going to throw a big deal at Capella. It's going to look like we're doing something. This is, this is me kind of, trying to get in uh, scummy Bob Sarver's head here. Uh, what's a way that I can look like I wanted to spend money without spending money? Restricted free agency is a great way for him to do that. It's definitely harder gonna... for them now if they take Aiden, which they're probably going to do, but they mm -hmm. could just do it with Aaron Gordon or whoever sure. else. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon or Zach Levine or one of those guys. Like, So I think the Suns will just make a play on the restricted free agent market, whoever it is. The Hawks... I think we'll make a play on the restricted free agent market, whoever it is. And yeah, I mean like there are just a very few teams that will be active in trying to have trade talks about a guy like Dennis. Like if you're trading for Dennis, you're trading for a guy that you think at that price can be a starting point guard. And I just don't know how my teams out there are going to be wanting to do that 
after after the draft uh, before LeBron gets done. So I think they get aggressive to move him at the trade at the uh, at the draft. Um, I think it will depend on who's there at 19 as to who you know what kind of offers they're getting. If somebody's in a slide that one of these teams has their eyes on, then maybe they try to get in in the mix and and you see that. Um, but I, I'd be stunned if we get through draft night without the Hawks making a trade of some sort. It might be just the 30, 34th picks being packaged together for something else. It, it might be 19. Um, it might be Dennis. It, it could be a lot of things, but I would be very surprised if we get through draft night without a trade that said uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it includes Dennis, although I think they will try their best to move him then because I think it's the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, if, if they're going to move him, draft night's the most likely. And then beyond that, I think you're talking about mid to late July when everything's kind of died down and maybe there's a team out there that just kind of gets left holding the bag with nothing at point guard. Um, but even then, I think if he's not traded by the end of the draft, the probability of him being on the roster rises considerably uh, at yes. the start of the season. So, I mean, without getting too deep into that, I just I do think like if you're looking for one team in the sort of the trade up, trade down stuff for the Hawks number three, up seems pretty unlikely. There's basically been no buzz about that at all. And I know the Hawks have the ammunition if they wanted to do that, but yeah. it would require them to be really smitten with one player. And uh, I would endorse that for Doncic, frankly, myself. But I don't think the Hawks – I mean, I think the Hawks would have to absolutely fall in love with him because right now at three, they're in a spot where if they have a tier that's you know larger than three or at least as large as three, they can, sit, they can stay put, take the end of their tier, and just kind of move along. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of buzz from even from Schle- you know out of, Schle- out of Travis Schlenk's mouth that you know maybe he sees like a top four or five in this class that instead of yeah. maybe a top one or two and then another break et cetera et cetera it's all about where the tier drops are for me yeah. it's after four um, it could be different for Schlenk but you know I don't know I think more uh, it's sort of sort of what you're saying staying put at number three is the most likely scenario by a wide margin I will say if there's one team. I think that makes the most sense if you're trying to find a team to go up to three is the Magic because yeah. the Magic have um, the, potential, the potential desire and they also have Jonathan Isaac. He's like the one, you know, pseudo, he's like the one asset that I think may be the combination of movable and interesting for the Hawks. Uh, mm-hmm. Isaac, I think they probably are higher on him than everybody else's because they just drafted him and it's the same front office from a year ago. But he was banged up all season during his rookie year. Uh, he's sort of the only guy because, like, if you're looking down these rosters. You kind of mentioned it briefly earlier, but like Memphis has no assets to trade. Dallas has Dennis Smith, who they're not going to trade, and that's basically it. Um, right. Chicago's not going to trade any of their guys. Like, it's basically Laurie Markin and Chris Dunn. Those guys aren't going anywhere in, in a trade. There, uh, the Cavs have no assets to trade. Uh, the Knicks, the Knicks can't get. You know, Frank Frank Tilakina would be interesting, but I'm not sure that takes you from nine to three. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where there isn't an obvious partner out there, you know, maybe Philly, if Philly got smitten and wanted to send Markel Fultz the Hawks way, that'd be about the only other way I can see in these top 10 or 11 teams of a package that would actually get somebody up to three that makes sense for the Hawks. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're completely right. And, and Orlando has, yeah, I, I, again, it's, it's Isaac and it's what are they guessing, want to move the him. This is not, this is oh, not yeah, sourced. This is not sourced <laughs> material. Um, Aggregators. Windy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the thing is is it's just people and, and I, I just haven't seen it. I don't I don't see anybody in there. And when you're talking about this draft, you're talking about those tiers. You would have to really love one of those guys that you think is definitely going to be there at six. 
And there are pretty much only two guys on the board that I think are Let's do this. fall in lovable. Let's do this. For a, for someone Let me set the Michael, table. Michael the Porter table. Ju- Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> and Trey Young are the two guys that come after five because your top five are Aiton, Doncic, Bagley, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Mo Bamba in some form. And you can find different tier breaks for every single person within that five. However, the general consensus is those are your top five guys. And it depends on how much, if you fall into the the Robbie camp of just falling in love with Mo Bamba during this pre-draft process, he's in there. He's in the mix. Uh, If you don't, which I think you're more out on Bamba than, than myself, then he's he's you talked about your top four. I think your top four is that cutoff right before Bamba. Uh, but those are your five guys, and I, I would be fairly stunned to see anybody go in the top five. That's not them. However, again, these two names are your two that you are the ones people would reach for. First is Michael Porter Jr., um, who we're not even going to get into the weird off court rumors. I don't even want to touch that. I don't want to touch any of that stuff. You can Google it yourself. However, you just take on the court. This is the guy that coming into last year was kind of the the consensus number one dude out of high school. Um, Him and Bagley, because Bagley reclassified later, whatever. Um, Number one dude out of high school, you're talking about like, okay, kind of the perfect build and frame for what you want in the NBA on the wing. But then all of a sudden you obviously have the health questions with the back. Um, and then you just have you just have general questions about like how is he going to fit in with a team? This is the dude that loves to shoot. We haven't seen if he can do it efficiently. And we haven't seen him be able to do all of the other things that you want out of that guy. Like, what's his effort level on defense? Didn't see a lot of it in the limited action that we saw in the SEC tournament. Maybe there's that's back injury. Maybe that's whatever. It is. I mean, he looked, I will say, as someone who's not a huge Porter fan and was never a huge Porter fan, that's something that goes back to last year. I, I never was in the he's number one guy in this class um, yeah. conversation. I do understand the appeal because, you know, on paper, you're talking about a 6'10 guy who could be a primary offensive, offensive option on the wing. Like that's a very enticing piece, but even before the back stuff, I was not necessarily all in. But yeah. I will say, you know, he was just not the same physically when he was playing no. in college. And the brief, it's very, very brief that we saw him, but like he couldn't elevate at all. Like I would be wary to evaluate him on that, except sure. for the fact that you know the back injury does matter. I mean, you can you can say everything you want to say about him, you know, you know, being checked off medically, but with that lingering and a guy that young and a guy that long. You know, it's never going to go away fully. I mean, at least as right. a consideration. Maybe maybe he'll just be healthy and then he'll never come back. But, you know, the, the math tells you that at some point in his career it's going to be an issue again. It's just kind of how big of an issue it's going to be. And I don't think – I mean, honestly, it's kind of – I don't, don't want to say weird, but it's kind of weird like how little we've heard about Porter uh, in Atlanta. All of the buzz uh, in terms of the non-top five guys has been on Trey Young, who I know you have takes yeah. about, and we'll talk about him in a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, I – and I, I understand why, because honestly, as weird as this is to say, I have fewer questions about Trey Young than I do about Michael Porter Jr. I understand right. the appeal of both guys, but mm-hmm. Young, it's more linear. Like basically, if Young becomes the offensive player that he, 
you know, quote unquote, can be or potentially could be that sure. guy who just works, and we kind of all know that. Um, sure. Whereas Porter, even if he pops, the injury stuff is there and the makeup stuff is there that you hear offline, and you and I've heard, I'm sure, several things. And it's one of those things where like nobody's really going out of their way to vouch for Michael Porter in terms of like you know mm-hmm. makeup and character kind of stuff. It's not it's not all terrible necessarily, but it's one of those things where you've not even had that one report that's like, nope, no concerns here, great makeup. Yeah. Like nobody's doing that. Well, you, you also like you. It goes back to the thing we, we kind of jokingly talked about at the open, the the fit in, fit out thing. Like that's the stuff that you hear hear some chatter about. Is like he's kind of an aloof dude. Um, has just he's there, and like sometimes those things get overblown. You know, like the quiet kid that, but. There are questions when you look at the the way he plays, as to whether he would, you know, buy in on a team brand of basketball that you want to to play, like. And again, we we just don't have the the data sets to like look back on his college career and say, well, when when they were going, when Mizzou was going, and he was right. out there, like we we saw him play in the flow of an offense, we saw him making the passes he's supposed to make. When he was on the floor for those couple games, like he was shooting a lot and not making a lot, and I understand like that was kind of his role, but at the same time, you just you don't have the answers there, and that's kind of the concern. When you look at Trey Young, and I'm going to preface this, I should have prefaced this before, Porter. Here it comes. Um, I love this. Here is the stock thing that I say for for everything in the draft. I hope everybody in the draft is great. It is better for all of us as NBA fans if there's an influx of great young talent into the league. It is great for the young men to go out and make lots of money. Um, I want them all to succeed. I want them all to do well. I don't have any ill will towards anyone in the draft unless I otherwise say so. And I will, but I, I don't. I can't remember to this point if that's ever happened. Um, maybe... No, not even, not even Harry Giles. Like I wanted him to succeed. I was just mad about <laughs> I was just mad about some things that happened while he was at Duke. Um, but again, that was that was injured. That's not even Harry's fault. Like I just whatever. I shouldn't have bet Duke against Louisville. Um, anyways, anyways, with that out of the way, we can talk with about that Trae out Young. of the way. I can talk about Trey Young again. I hope the young man succeeds. I hope he becomes the next Steph Curry. He's not going to be the next Steph Curry. Stop it. Stop it. Stop comparing this guy to Steph Curry. Stop comparing people to Kevin Durant. Stop comparing people to LeBron James. Okay? Steph Curry is the greatest shooter in NBA history. Okay? Not the greatest shooter right now. He is the greatest shooter in NBA history. He has been bred from birth to be a great shooter. His dad was a great shooter in the NBA. Steph Curry did not come out of nowhere. He is not some underdog story. He is not someone that you can become because he looks like a normal person. Just because he's six foot two, six foot three, and doesn't look super muscular, he doesn't look like LeBron James, does not mean that you can grow up to also be Steph Curry. Or anyone else for that matter. It's easier to talk about it with LeBron James. 
because we go, no one looks like LeBron James. The closest comp we've had to LeBron James recently is Ben Simmons, and the and the caveat has been he's LeBron James if LeBron can't shoot and wasn't quite as strong. Yeah, I mean, physically, we've never seen anybody like LeBron. I mean, maybe exactly. maybe maybe so Carl Malone, and and Carl Malone yeah. didn't have the perimeter have stuff, the skills. Yes, the same skills, the same skills. Carl Malone had tremendous skills in the post. I mean, because Carl, it was Carl Malone's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like he's a yes, fantastic he player, but he's, a tremendous player. he's not LeBron. He's not LeBron. So Kevin Durant, just because some, and this is another thing we 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 fall we we do with Kevin Durant. The, every time someone's tall and can shoot, and is skinny, Brandon Ingram, Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram. I all due respect to Brandon Ingram, who I think is a fine basketball player. He had no chance. I mean, Porter Jr.'s gotten Kevin Durant comparisons in high school. Right. And I hated right. every, every bit of that, but that, that was and out there. Bad. It existed. And it's bad. Just because you're tall and you can shoot doesn't mean you're Kevin Durant. There are a lot of tall guys in the NBA history that can shoot. Let's throw some Peja Stoyakovich. First off, Peja Stoyakovich is a phenomenal player. If you are 6'9 and become Peja Stoyakovich, you've done very well for yourself. But let's throw that out before we start throwing KD out there. Because KD isn't just a tall guy that can shoot. KD has otherworldly basketball skills besides being one of the best shooters in the NBA. He has otherworldly skills now in the post. He has tremendous ball handling skills. He is a spectacular defender. People do not give him his just due as being an on-ball and off-ball defender. Stop comparing people to Kevin Durant, who is one of the three best basketball players on this planet. And stop comparing Trey Young to Steph Curry. Yeah. Trey Young has some very good basketball skills. I have serious questions about that frame, and they are genuine, legitimate questions to have. It is a straw man. It is more of a straw man to pull out, hey, but Steph Curry did this with his frame, which is bigger than Trey Young's, mind you. Steph Curry did this at his frame. Why can't Trey Young? I think I saw DX do something, and they put up the physical comparison. And the closest one was Shabazz Napier. I mean, here's what here's what Trey Young measured at the combine: seven eleven and a half standing reach, which was the third the third lowest in the entire combine. He weighed in at one hundred and seventy seven point eight pounds, which was the lightest at the entire combine. I can bench press Trey Young. And his wingspan was six three, which was also the lowest at the entire draft combine. With that said, I mean, I guess this year there was no like. There usually is like a five nine guy at the combine, sure. and, and that guy didn't exist this year. So I guess that's worth throwing out there. But and I know there have been rumors, and he said he's put on ten pounds of muscle or whatever it is. Muscle watch Shadow Lang Whitaker. I'm sure he's bigger than he was in college. I'm that's sure he's in the best fine. shape of his life because that's what people do in advance of the draft. They get in good shape. You better be right. Um, but at the same time, it's not all it's not all physical questions with Trey Young size wise, but there are size questions, and mostly, I mean. I mean, some of them have to do with his offense and separation and just physicality and the, and the ability to finish. But most of them have to do with his defense and the fact yes. that he was, I believe I heard Daniel LaRue refer to it on their podcast with Nate Duncan this week as uh, some of the worst transition defense he'd ever seen from a prospect. That's, yeah. that's what Daniel and said. And not, I, have, I have to back that up because, you know, Young was, I guess when he tries, he says he, he doesn't look absolutely terrible at the college level. But mm-hmm. the effort, I understand the effort 
stuff and it kind of is hilariously similar to Dennis Schroeder when it's like, guys, when he tries, he's not that bad. Well, yeah, but you have to try. And I understand he had he had the and he doesn't have any of the physical gifts that Dennis Schroeder does well, as that's, a defender. Well, that's the thing about Trey Young is that I understand his best is he, efforting with poor physical limitations. Right, and my th- I mean I understand all the caveats are out there with the fact that he had to carry this huge workload offensively, and that might be the case in the NBA as well. But you know, it's not. I mean, he won't have that kind. He's not going to have a forty percent usage rate in the NBA, even if he's good. But if he does have this huge usage rate. It's not going to get easier defensively. He's not going to suddenly be okay defensively. Like, I don't see that ever happening. Well, here's here's the problem. Here's the problem with the Trey Young talk. Okay, if you take Trey Young at the back end of the lottery, I have no problem with. If you take him at nine or ten, if you're talking about the Knicks or um, the Sixers or, or whoever, I have no problem at six or seven. I know I'm, I know I'm higher on you. I, are. I have no problem if I like okay. six seven either. I have no problem with that at all. He's he is nowhere close to the conversation for three. He is nowhere close to the conversation for top five for me. If you take him in the ten range, if you're talking about upside at the ten spot, like one of the best number ten overall picks in recent memory is JJ Redick. That'd be great. If you want to talk about a guy that you want to compare Trey Young to somebody. He came out with he came out of college uh, with playing defensive questions size and frame questions great shooter everybody knew he could light it up uh however they were obviously they were different players in the sense that jj reddick there were questions about what else can he do other than shoot where trey young is a dynamic offensive playmaker um and has a passing ability uh that is unique to him however there are questions about how well he'll be able to use that at the NBA level because of the things that you talked about with the physical gifts and abilities that he lacks of separation of just general vision. When you're on the court with larger human beings defending you, I don't worry as much about that. However, the thing is if you are going to be a significant liability defensively, which all indications are he is going to be, yeah, you on, have to on, be, on the high side, he might be passable defensively. And that's if he gives full effort and works really hard on some of the other things. Like, the DX breakdown of him, like, he's atrocious at getting through screens. Oh, he just dies. I mean, he's like... He just... He, he's a hundred. He's 177 damn pounds. Of he, course he's not going to get through a screen. He's as bad at getting through screens as Tim Hardaway Jr. was when he got to Atlanta yeah, from New York. And that's as a guy who is four inches shorter and probably 25 or 30 or 40 pounds lighter. Right. Like, so it's way, way worse. And like, yeah, Hardaway was a guy I saw a lot in college. And obviously we talked about him on the podcast. Hardaway, when he got to Atlanta, they literally traded a first round pick for him and then DNP'd him for about two months because he just couldn't be on the floor. And that's how bad he was defensively. And they broke be, him be, like a wild horse. And Young will be worse. And that's, I'm just using that as a Hawks example because yeah. you know, Hardaway is not the worst defender in NBA history. I'm not going to say no. anything like that. He was a bad defender when he got there. He's still kind of bad, but he's much better than he used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's just a Hawks-based example of Trey Young can't get through a screen. I know he's mm-hmm. quick, but he's not quick enough to be just able stay to in be front as of small guys. as he is. And yeah, it's... I mean, there are things that he doesn't necessarily do terribly defensively, but there are enough. There are enough things where, again, on the if you're trying to be optimistic about Trey Young's defense, 
and get him to a place where it isn't really bad defensively. It's maybe passable, and that's the high end. Like I understand the comparisons out there to like guys who are bad defensively are really good offensively. Like, like for instance, Damian Lillard is a, is a comp that gets thrown around there. You know, aside from Lillard being just bigger, um, Lillard Lillard is a bad defender. He's always been a bad defender, and yeah. If Trey Young is Damian Lillard offensively, no one's going to care that he's bad defensively. Sure. At least, well, we would care, but most people won't care. Like Dame, I mean, people that watch him all the time know how bad he is defensively. But you know, in the larger conversation with casual fans, especially guys that average twenty-five points a game and lead their teams to the playoffs, people don't really care until the playoffs about how bad you are defensively. Like even you know James Harden in his worst possible season was was laughably bad defensively, but no one really cared aside from like the jokes. I'm just yeah. like, oh, look at James. He's bad. He's just but, standing there. But if Trey Young, you know, and uh, you know, your friend of mine, Jason Walker, is comparing him to Lou Williams, and mm-hmm. I kind of like that comp. Yes. I think I think that's not it's not perfect, but no, because I think he's a more willing passer. Yeah, he's he's a much better passer stage. than Lou. Like he has much higher upside than Lou. I will say that offensively, sure. he has much higher upside than Lou does. But Lou is a very bad defender, and he kind of always has been. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reason why Lou's a sixth man and he's always been a sixth man is because we all know Lou's really good offensively. He's really efficient for a guy his size. But if Trey Young becomes Lou Williams and you drafted that, and that, by the way, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good outcome, I will say. That's Lou a, Williams that's, has been a I very good NBA player for a decade. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> like, it is. If you take that guy at three, people are not going to be super enthused about that. No, here's your, here's your comp for that, Marvin Williams. Okay, you want to talk about reaching for a guy who, and like Marvin had completely different like questions, almost the opposite. Well, <laughs> like, and, yeah, Marvin got hurt too, which we should at least. And so Marvin people, got hurt. people always ignore the fact that Marvin actually was a nuclear athlete, and then he hurt his back, and he wasn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but alas, opposite questions. But if you're trying again to give the Hawks centric example. Reaching for a guy in that top three, taking a guy that becomes a decent role player. And this is why I'm saying, like, what you want out of the top three to five, what you want out of your number one, number two pick, you're really, really hoping you're getting a star player. Like, you're really hoping for that. At number one, you're hoping it's that generational guy. You're hoping for the Anthony Davis. You're hoping it's. Carl Anthony Towns, like all these recent guys, Ben Simmons, like those are guys you're hoping for. At number three, you're hoping for an all-star potential starting caliber player on a good team. Al Horford, those kind of guys. Like Joel Embiid's the outlier (laughs) because he was a number one overall pick that was hurt and had significant injury questions and we were – we're still close enough to Greg Oden where everybody takes that stuff seriously enough with big guys now that and that hurts them. The funniest thing about all of what you're saying, I'm going to let you keep going, I promise, uh, is that I guarantee you if I – and I've said this to people you know, on Peachtree Hoops or wherever on Twitter. If I basically guaranteed someone, a lot of the fan base, if I guaranteed them Al Horford, they'd be upset at number three. Like I, I literally said, this is a, it was about Mo Bamba at one point. We were talking about somebody, you know, was talking to someone who, someone who I actually think is pretty reasonable on Twitter. It's a Hawks fan, uh, without naming any names. And I basically said, if I if I guaranteed you at number three, the Hawks can draft Jaron Jackson or Mo Bamba, and they become a top ten defensive player in the league. Like I guarantee you that happens. 
would you be okay with that with that pick? And they said no. <laughs> and it's because, and I, I I totally understand it. It doesn't make it's not this is something not something that I'm I'm thinking, but there is a there's a thought process with this fan base, at least part of this fan base right now, that the only acceptable outcome at number three overall is someone that has star offensive upside. And I disagree with that premise. I disagree with the whole notion of the fact that you have to get that kind of guy right now. There's no urgency to do that, in my opinion. And for me, you take the best player available. But, I mean, it's not necessarily a Bamba Jackson thing. It's more of a philosophical, you have to get this superstar offensive player at number three overall. And what you're saying over the second time you said that, which is which why I'm saying it now, is that that's not realistic at number three overall. It's just, you can't expect to get a transformative offensive piece there. If you get one, great. Like if you if you stumble into Luka Doncic or if you take Marvin Bagley and they become you know top ten offensive players in, in the league, which is a reasonable outcome. Or you know, listen, if Trey Young explodes, if you take Trey Young at three, and you and I will not like that pick at all. If that happens and he becomes the 99th percentile of himself and actually becomes the number one offensive option, like sure, that worked out really great for you. Mm-hmm. But that can't be the expectation. It just no. all it right, can't let's, be. Real quick, let's run through number three picks. So you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, you would think, is Jesus. Jason Tatum by, by the way, he's is dis- why he's covered right now, but that's another thing. Jason Tatum is, has tremendous upside. And oh, he's awesome, but it's great. And you would Jaylen think he Brown, was LeBron. <laughs> but here's the thing: if you talk about Jalen Brown, who okay, let's we'll get through this. Local product, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brown Jaleel Okafor. Okay, Oof. whoops. Joel Embiid, who I believe is the outlier of that class, because if he was healthy, he goes number he goes one. Home. We're talking about yep. Jabari Parker going number. Three agreed. Otto Porter, very good a role player. Very good role player. Yep. Bradley Beal, all star, all starting. Right, borderline all star. Like he's always on that bubble. And Bradley Beal is a great result, a, number three overall. Great and result. he was nailed because he went right after Michael K. Gilchrist. And this Cantor, that that draft sucked. And after this Cantor. Oh, here, hold on. Uh, let's stop here. And this Cantor is bad defensively. Ennis Cantor is going to be in the NBA for a decade and be a guy that teams want. Yep, because he's like, that's probably Derek a bad Favors. pick in a, in a vacuum. But like he's in the league. Like the only guy on this list so far that you've named that's out of the league essentially is Jalil Okafor. And Jalil yeah. Okafor, it can't be overstated how bad that's gone. But yeah, I mean Ennis Cantor is a bad out, is quote unquote a bad outcome at three. But Ennis Cantor's in the NBA still and. You know, yep. has faults, but is a guy who's making a lot of money right now. Derek Favors, same thing. Very good role player. He's he's just – part of the problem for Derek Favors is he came in right as his kind was becoming extinct in the NBA. And he's still if good. Derek Favors came in – he's good. If Derek Favors came into the league with his exact same frame and skill set in 1995, he is a perennial all-star. I feel comfortable saying that. Oh, yeah. Because they're just throwing it to my man in the post. He's averaging 20 and 10. He's a beast. Sure. Anyway, uh, James Harden, fantastic. That's the number one outcome. Congratulations. That was the number one outcome. You got an MVP. OJ Mayo. Let's just move on. (laughs) Al Horford. Great outcome. Great outcome. That's a top. I'm taking Embiid out of the factor here. Uh, Factoring out Embiid, that's probably your number number two outcome behind Harden right now? For now, unless Tatum blows up. Unless yes. Tatum blows up. Right. Because it's probably, okay. Uh, Adam Morrison, good lord, the 2006 draft. Uh, that didn't go super well. Yeah. Didn't go well. Uh, Darren Williams? 
was an all-star for a half decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben Gordon. Good player for a long time. Carmelo Anthony is, I think, what what t- what fans think of when they think of a number three pick. You're talking about offensive upside. Who should have gone number three in a class that also, sh- you know, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade should have gone number two, but in retrospect. Yes. But, yes. yeah, Melo's going to uh, be probably a Hall of Famer, at least for yeah. one. Kyle so. Gasol, Hall of Famer. Mike Dunleavy, Dunleavy Jr., Hall role Legend. player. Role player, but had a long career. Uh, Darius Miles, Baron Davis, Rafe LaFrance, go Hawks. Uh, Chauncey Billups, Sharif, Stackhouse Hill. So it's Penny. good. I mean, it's a, it's a good smattering it's a good, of, like, very good players and a few stars. Right. But that's what I'm saying is you want a good starter on a contending team. Like you want a guy that you can feel comfortable. This guy is going to be in our starting five. That's a pretty good outcome. Like if you do worse than that, you're not happy. If you do better than that, you're thrilled. But you should – that's about the middle of the road. If you're talking about if you do the little bell curve, your bell is right there. Okay, there's obviously the high end that are the James Hardens, potentially the Jason Tatum's, but who knows? Jason Tatum could plateau and just be a really good starter in the league. That's always possible. Um, but you have your Al Horfords, your Bradley Beals, your Otto Porters, your Jalen Browns, your Derek Favors. Your, those are really good third picks. What I'm saying is I don't think Trey Young, with his gifts, I don't think he has the opportunity to become – James Harden on the offensive end. I disagree with that idea because James Harden is a monster physically. Okay? Oh, yeah. The reason, the reason Steph can be Steph is because he is otherworldly as a shooter. He's also underratedly strong going to the rim. Uh, he's a much better finisher there. He has superior handles to Trey. Like, I understand the idea that this is that it's just the easy comp to throw out, but I'm I'm totally on board. Like you're mu- you're going to be much closer with a Lou Williams comp to Trey Young than you are with a Steph Curry comp, and I'm fully prepared to eat my words if Trey Young is a four time MVP. But I feel <laughs> confident saying he's not going to be that. Yeah, I mean we should you just you if you take if you trade down to take him at nine or seven even fine. Okay, fine. But don't bring this kid up in the conversation. It also does a disservice to him to put that kind of pressure on. We've seen it with so many guys. Think about how many guys have come in the league with these comps that are just, like, you unreachable. Like, you can talk – like, Brandon Ingram right now. Brandon Ingram had a very good season. He has taken great strides in his game. But because people refuse to shake the Kevin Durant thing, because that was thrown slapped on him because he's six foot eleven and skinny and has kind of a jump shot. They refused to take that they just handed that kid that label and no matter what he does, he's gonna have a long career in the NBA. He's gonna make a ton of money. It won't necessarily matter to him. But he's never gonna really shake that. You're not you see so many guys come in the league like the next this, the next this. Trey Young is – I don't think his defensive ceiling is what Steph Curry's can be. Agreed. Or is. 100%. And I don't think his offensive skill set is going to come anywhere close to what Steph is. So it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, like, 
you're not super high. And it's okay to have the physical question mark because we've seen a lot of guys come in the league with similar physical issues and not been able to shake. Like Lou Williams has a lot of the similar like physical build. He came in the league. He's still a really skinny dude. He's not tall. He's not particularly strong. He <laughs> makes do, and he does a great job. Like Lou's learned to be the veteran savvy scorer. He draws contact. Lou was that when he was sixteen. I, I mean, I played That's against true. Lou. Like Lou's been that that guy forever. But here's the thing: Lou went number forty-seven in 47. the draft because like, of those physical issues. Here's a question I have, and I, th- I swear we're going to move off Trayon pretty soon. Uh, here's a question that I've asked before that nobody can necessarily answer for me coherently. If Steph Curry didn't walk the earth, if Steph didn't exist, mm-hmm. would anyone want to take Trey Young at number one or number two or number three in this class? I don't think they would. Trey Young, Trey Young would not be a top ten pick. I think he might be because he no. just because guys don't guys don't average thirty and nine or whatever in college. But I'm 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 closer to I you than I am so. to the other to the I, thought that they would be. I don't think I think we've seen a lot of guys come out now. The fact that he did it in Oklahoma, but the he's the Big Twelve. I mean, the whole channel, my friend Dan. If you if you watch the way that he played in Oklahoma, the only comp I have for that in my you know semi professional basketball watching is Jimmer at BYU. The only the the way they played every single thing they did was dictated to Trey Young. And I understand, you know, Steph was the obviously the key cog at, at Davidson, but they ran offense. Steph played off the ball some in college. Like, mm-hmm. they had, like, they ran, Bob, you know, Bob McKillop and people, you know, college basketball diehards that I am, like, they ran stuff. They ran, like, yep. normal offense. Like, Steph didn't have this absurd usage rate. Trey Young, I mean, it's basically the Russell Westbrook season after Durant left offense on steroids was what they ran. Well, Except with no talent why, around him, <laughs> like and the, right, and this is why. This is why I say, I you know who's a really you know who's a good comp for Trey Young, honestly that I don't hear enough. Oh, I'm ready for this, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. I don't I don't okay? mind that at all. Because here's the thing. Here's what we talk about with Isaiah Thomas. Okay, he was, I mean, he was the sixtieth pick. Okay. When we talk about Isaiah Thomas, we always talk about like this dude can can get it. He can fill it up. His peak season. I mean, he's obvi- by the way. Before anybody yells at Robbie, we understand he's smaller. I get that. He's smaller. I know he's smaller. <laughs> I know he's smaller. I know he's smaller. But he, when you talk, but like to be honest, in the NBA, they're between six one, five nine, or whatever, is lesser than the difference between six one and six four. Every three inches doesn't count the same in the NBA. Anyway, factoring beyond that, like Isaiah Thomas, I think is a better comp. Now I know people don't want to throw that on him, based off of this past year of Isaiah Thomas. Guess what? If Isaiah Thomas doesn't have that hip injury, and is decent this year for the Cavs or for the Celtics or wherever he may be, if he's like, and and we talked about this a lot, we talked about this a lot last year. Uh, I thought this year, no matter what, no matter his health, we were going to see a fairly significant regression from Isaiah Thomas. Not to the fact that he was going to be a disaster that he was, but I thought we were going to see him slide pretty significantly from all-star to, okay, now we're back to like good scorer in the league that maybe you can't play as much because of his defense. And I think that's what we could see from Trey Young. It would not surprise me if Trey Young has one season 
in the exact right situation somewhere in his career where he blows up. However, it also wouldn't surprise me to see him get traded that next year because the people on the inside will recognize that might be the best we get out of this guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, do you want that at number three, number four, number five, number six? I don't really think so. And that's like if he was if he has Isaiah Thomas's career. We talk about Lou Williams. That's a huge. If win. he has Isaiah Thomas's career, that's a huge win. Yep, agreed. So, and we talk about defensively, Isaiah Thomas is a nightmare. Okay, he craters your defense. And what happened in Boston was the perfect conglomeration of like we have four dudes around him that that is their best skill set. Everybody Isaiah Thomas played with in Boston was a better defender than they were an offensive player. We saw that come to roost against the Cavs when the Cavs decided we're going to throw big guys at Isaiah Thomas and make him pass and make someone else beat us, and the Celtics simply couldn't, which is why they retooled this offseason. And by the way, like Isaiah Thomas, we all know is a bad defender. Isaiah Thomas actually plays pretty hard defensively. He does. <laughs> uh, it's not an effort thing with Thomas. Like It's physical. And he's and that- pure physical. And Young is a physical issue and an effort issue. So this is my issue with Trey Young. This is my issue with the comps that he's getting. Like, let's center these comps in. Like a good comp, like a I, you look. You, you never want to say like the absolute ceiling for a guy. But there, I think I, I think I used this comp to you one day. There there may be some attic space above it, but the ceiling to me is Isaiah Thomas. Lou yeah, Williams. I mean, and I and there may be some attic space to find, but I think Steph Curry's flying over this house in an airplane, nowhere near where he can touch. Yeah, um, which is fine because Steph Curry's a first bout Hall of Famer <laughs> and the best shooter in the history of the NBA. It's okay to say that he's not going to be Steph Curry. It's I'm not trashing the kid. I'm not saying he doesn't belong in the NBA or that you know, like sometimes I have a little fun, like we go a little far. You know, sure. I'm not saying this kid doesn't belong in the NBA. I, he he is a lottery pick. I don't want him on my team that has nothing else, because one, I don't think he's going to necessarily learn the habits that I want him to learn. Because if he comes into Atlanta, he's just going to do what he did at Oklahoma. And two, I think there's just better guys to build around in this draft. And and just. Yeah, just don't take Trey Young there. If you're talking about the Knicks, you're talking about the Sixers, you're talking about the Cavs, I can see it. I can see the late, the back end of the top 10, the back half of the lottery, fine. But I don't see it in the top six, seven picks for me because I don't think the potential is there. Like, if you're talking about Michael Porter Jr., I think he has a higher potential than Trey Young simply because of those physical gifts. And we've seen a ton of times that that doesn't pan out. However, when we talk about Trey Young, there are effort questions which you can't have for a guy that size. He's got to be a dog if he's going to be that size to really think he's going to get there. And like I, he, I think he's kind of like Isaiah Thomas and just wants to get buckets. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. Get buckets. I, that's what I do well on the basketball court. But don't give him to me with number three. Bucket getter. Uh, yeah, I mean. We can pretty much leave it there on Trey Young. We have plenty, uh, plenty more to get to on the podcast. I promise we're we're already at what uh, we're at fifty one minutes, and there is more to come. I promise the takes, 
The takes are flying. Uh, Robbie doesn't want Trey Young. I don't want Trey Young at number three, although I am definitely higher on Trey Young than Robbie is um, as a thought exercise. Uh, but I promise we're coming back in a second. So uh, please subscribe to the podcast, all that fun stuff. Here's a little bit of a break, and we'll, we'll be right back after this little uh, this little hiatus. All right, Robbie, uh, we're back, and the Trey Young takes are hot. We've already we've already talked about Porter and Young. There's plenty mm-hmm. more to get to, and let's talk about who you actually do want. At number three in a perfect world because uh, I'm on record, obviously, as the daily host of this podcast. Luka Doncic is my guy. He's he's my number one player in this class. Um, If he's there, you just take him. I think you mentioned that earlier in passing. Um, So we're on the same page there. What happens if Doncic isn't there? Which basically means that Aiton and Doncic are off the board because all indications are Aiton's going number one. So uh, if that's the case, you have Bagley, you have Jackson, you have Bamba. Uh, and then whatever you want to say after that about Young and Porter, but I think you know ruin those ruin, ruin those two guys out. It seems like you're down to the three big men. So which direction would you uh, prefer the Hawks go in that in that case? Yeah, um, I think it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Woj just came in with some some uh, some news that is pertinent to the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, let's uh, talk about Jaren, this on the podcast. Let's talk about it right now. Jaren, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a monster workout for the Suns on Sunday and continues to be the long-term prospect. Those outside the top four are working to move up and select in the draft. Offers to Sacramento, Atlanta, and Memphis may become increasingly aggressive between now and the draft. Uh, that that does talk to uh, our previous uh, discussions about how little it makes sense to trade down if you're the Hawks. Um because there isn't an obvious place, but that maybe, you know, maybe team gets obsessed and overpays. We have to at least acknowledge that. Yeah. And uh, I think you were about to say Jackson Jr. was a guy that you were sort of centering on. And that makes sense because apparently, you know, I can see how he would be a, a wowing influence in a workout. Although mm-hmm. I'm not sure it matters to the Suns, uh, no. considering they're probably going to take Aiden, but I don't know, whatever else happens. And uh, yeah. yeah, breaking news on the pod. We always like that. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think Jackson is my guy. Uh, the the funny thing is, you know, I I wouldn't be mad with any of those top five guys. Like I like Bagley more than some people do, and less than others. Like there are some people that are like Bagley's your number one, number two guy. No, but I like Bagley fine. I think I have Jaron Jackson Jr. ahead of him just because. Um, I think in the modern NBA, Jackson is the fit. I think you're talking about a guy, you're just projecting what the league is looking forward to. Now, the one thing I will say with regards to that, I'm going to be fascinated when this Warriors run comes to an end and we have a league where your prime superstars are Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and these unicorn big men that we keep talking about that are coming to take over the NBA. And I think we're going to see a bit of a shift back to that. And where you have to have front court guys that can combat that, but it's going to become it's going to no longer be you can't have the big plotting center on the floor because he can't defend these small ball lineups. It's going to be you can't have a big that can't defend because he's going to get forty five put on him by Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns or Chris Porzingis or whomever else Joel Embiid. Like that's going to become the problem with having a center that can't defend. And that's beyond big plotting slow. That is anyone that just can't hold their own in against a versatile big man. Jackson Jr. can do that. We know he can do that. There are questions about 
on defense, the only questions people have about him is whether he fouled too much, whether he gets a little bit handsy, a little aggressive. That can be worked on. That can be adjusted to. Hopefully, wherever he goes, he doesn't have the leash that Izzo had on him, which I think kind of contributed to that. He tried to make as Oof. big of an impact, as big an impact as he could have on both ends, which led him to being more aggressive on the defensive end sometimes, trying to make plays and do that sort of thing. Uh, and I know your feelings on on the 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 zone that he got put into. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love Jackson Jr. You know, on offense, the question is, does he want to be a dominant offensive player? Because he has a skill set that's very interesting as a shooter, as a ball handler. Um, you know, of all the guys that you look at, you go, okay, you know, Bagley, Aiton, better post players. But at what point do we start to recognize that the post is going to be your secondary thing as a big man? And what's more important is what you can do in pick and roll and as a face-up guy. Jackson Jr., I think, has those skills, can develop those, and can get better in the post because he's just got to he's got to bulk up. He's got to add some weight, but he's 18 years old. That's kind of what you believe he can do fairly easily once he's got uh, an NBA nutritionist around him. I also love Mo Bamba. I am. Uh, I know I, you. I you say, and Jason are driving the bus for Mo Bamba. I am not. I'm not president of the Mo Bamba fan club, uh, but I'm certainly. I'm certainly at least following the bus closely in my car Prop. and ready to and ready to to pull like a Fast and Furious and jump on from the hood and just let my car careen off a cliff. Props um, to uh, Mo Bamba's agent who's doing yeoman's work this is, week. Uh, shouts to Tyler Jones for saying that to me and put it, sort of putting it on my mind. But man, he's yeah. been at, he's been everywhere this week. Mo Bamba's agent deserves all three percent he's going to get, maybe four. <laughs> um, look, I, I, here's the thing: Mo Bamba's running, like he moves great. He can jump out the gym for a guy who already has like a nine foot eight standing reach. He's I I get I, I can't help it. I'm an NFL draft guy at heart. I love the combine. I love the underwear Olympics. I love when you can give me some measurables. All right. I'm going to start talking like Mayock here soon. Uh, it doesn't have a bubble butt, unfortunately. Got to work on that. Got to work <laughs> on that for the post play. Shouts to Mike uh, Mayock. High hipped. High hipped. Also a problem. Uh, but no, I, I love Bamba. And you, you talk about like, look, you see, you, see the, you see the workout video of him shooting. 80% from three-point range in an empty gym. I love it. I love all of it. I eat it up. I still would take Jaron Jackson Jr. over him. However, like, if the Hawks took Mo Bamba at three, I will – I'm in. I'll just buy in blindly and be ready for the experience because I think it could be fun, even though I'll be fully prepared to watch Jaron Jackson Jr. get taught how to really, really play defense by Marcus Gasol and become an absolute monster in Memphis. Whatever. I'll buy in on Mo Bamba. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, any of those top five, I'm fine with. Uh, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is at the top of my list behind Doncic. Of real estate, you know, again, Aiton is gone. He's going to Phoenix. Um, but so, a monster yeah. workout from Jaron Jackson. It's silly season, right? Monster workout. It's silly season. Let's get it. I'm let's ready. Briefly, uh, let's, now, that, now that I know that you're okay with any of these top five guys, let's briefly talk about silly season a little bit. And Because I swear every single thing that's in a mock draft – uh, on any website in America, I've been asked about when it comes to the Hawks, like, is this real? 
And I, I always want to say nothing's real, pretty much. Uh, there are a few people that I trust, um, and I always find myself getting the best information that I get offline and not in written form this time of year, I will say. Um, there, are, there are a few mocks that I would trust more than others in terms of just actual intel, but please tell the people what you actually actually think of the uh, available information that you can get publicly right now because my general opinion is you, I'm not saying you have to ignore all of it, but overreacting to every piece of information or every mock draft that comes out from a source that's at least semi-reputable is probably the wrong tact, even if it's probably also fun. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that's, we, we look, I mean, as a, as a, as a contentsman, um, <laughs> We, I'm, 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 I'm writing a post about teams wanting to trade up for Jaron Jackson right, right now. As one does. As one does. Uh, the content doesn't stop. But yeah, I mean, look, like if you're a fan of any of these teams at the top, like you just you read them, you take everything in, you just and you, and you just go, okay, like do your own, do, figure you know your things out. Read the people you trust. Read you know Giveny. Read Vassini. Um, Read those guys. Read Brad. Brad's very good at this. He won't. He will. He will be too humble to say it. But he is genuinely uh, one of the people I trust the most on the draft. It's why we have him uh, to plug this. It's why we have Brad coming on the dime pod each week. Uh, next, this last week, this week, and next week to talk uh, draft stuff because he is very good at this and very knowledgeable about this. Listen to the people you can trust to help guide you in kind of who you want. The, the, the people that they're high on but like you, you just you can't hold on to like there's a reason everybody comes out with mock drafts every week it's not because information changes every week it's because people read them every week and if you gave them the exact same one people are gonna be like what the hell <laughs> yeah so even, even nothing changes between now things and change. Uh, so like sometimes you write one this is what i would do sometimes you write one this would be if everybody shoots for the sky on potential, this is the this is one based off of kind of sourcing. This is you know like people will do. We're gonna get real close to uh, mock drafts with projected trades, which gets real weird and dumb real fast. Oh, I mean I that's uh, I'm in two of them and trades are allowed. I've not made any trades in those mock drafts, but right. they exist and uh, and it gets weird real fast. I mean, yeah, I was, uh, you know, good friend of the program, Jeff Siegel, was in a, a, a mock draft, um, I think it was about two weeks ago, over at the Step Back, uh, and those guys made like 50 trades. And it's like, at that point, what are we even doing here? It's just it's just fun right. to be in it, I guess. But like, yeah. there's going to be some trades on, on the night of the draft, but best of luck projecting them. Like, nobody had the, uh, the Tatum-Fultz trade last year until it happened. Like, no one, no one does that. Nope. Like, it's not nope. what happens. So... Anyway, it's just it's better to keep your guard up, ask questions. I totally I'm cool answering questions about what's believable and what's not. My general answer is this time of year is like, yeah, that seems plausible, but I don't know. Uh, and yeah. I hear I hear things. There's no question about that. Uh, sure. Reportable things is always the sort of the next chapter and the next step. Uh, very very few reportable things, even mm-hmm. from the top guys. I mean, that Woj report is that we that you just quoted, you know, verbatim. Uh, Woj has the best sources in the business, but like that doesn't mean anything. No, it just like it just it just means that the Hawks, Grizzlies, and Kings will have their phones ringing. Like that doesn't yeah. mean they're going to do a trade. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, think about think about every trade deadline. Most of the time, the stuff that we hear get rumored doesn't come to fruition. Every once in a while, it does. But like, it's usually a phone call that actually happened. These are actual discussions that happened. 
But usually if something's going to happen, it comes out late in the process. You usually like there's usually a reason that these things come out. There's posturing from somebody. Hell, this could be this could be from Jackson's agent. Like if we're just trying to figure out like it's always kind of fun to play the game. Who stands to benefit the most from this information coming out? In this case, it could be Jackson's agent. It could be one of these teams at the top that kind of has some interest in maybe actually moving back. You know, it could be from one of those to juice offers up to say, hey, we got the phones are ringing, baby. To bring this thing back full circle, if the Hawks want to trade down and take Trey Young. I couldn't even get it out. Uh, that, that's a, that is a scenario that people yep. want to believe is the case, yep. by the way. Um, and, okay, let's just say this, and I promise we'll be done soon. Um, th- it's a very common thing to say if you are a fan to say, that guy's a reach here, but I want him, so let's just say the Hawks will trade back and, tr- and get him later. That isn't a thing that you can do. Even with Trey Young, I've said this before, I would not take Trey Young at number three, for instance, but if the Hawks think he's their guy, you just take him. You can't afford to move back with the hopes of getting one guy Yeah. in the NBA draft. You just have to take the guy, even if I would disagree yeah. with that. And it's, the same goes with Mo Bamba. Like, because Mo Bamba's number five on my big board, um, my personal one, if the Hawks want him at three, they can't trade down him. and say, oh, we'll just get Bamba two picks later. That's not how that works. Yep. <laughs> so you yep. just got to take the guy that is your guy. And if that, you know, if that means somebody's gonna come like over, you know, overwhelming for Jaron Jackson Jr. at number three, listen, there's a package. There's always a package. If the Hawks are sitting there at number three, they're not fully in love with Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley and the Grizzlies are, and the Grizzlies want to say, look, we'll give you something else that we like. Okay. Like it's, it's all in play. I think trading down is more likely than trading up. I think mm. staying, staying number three is the most likely scenario by far. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, Always the most likely scenario in the draft is staying in the place you are. Yes. I'd say if you're talking about the number three pick, I'd say it's to put some some fake percentages on this. Uh, Let's do it. 70, 70 stay, 25 trade back, 5% trade up just because you got to have it there. Yeah, I mean, it would be sneaky, Maybe less sneaky impressive slash awesome if Schlenk, uh, the one thing we haven't heard since uh, the lottery was anything about the Hawks moving up. And if yeah. that was the case, it'd be, if you went up, if you went up to even two, it would be kind of earth shattering because that's it would tell me a lot about Travis Schlenk's ability to keep things quiet. Yes. If they suddenly pulled that kind of move off, yeah. and I would, I would uh, appreciate that greatly. Yeah, be great. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with the the three pick. I'm fine with any of them. You go with your, like you said, you go with your guy if he's in that tier. If you have a couple guys you like in that back tier, that's that's how trading back works. Yes, like you have said, to be like you have you to be comfortable. Back, you, have tiers. you have to be comfortable with more than one guy. Because if that guy gets back. taken, then you trade it back for no reason now you're scrambling again. It's all about so tier. You, oh, hello. 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 Uh, hello. But uh no, you have to be con- it's all about tier breaks. If if Travis Slank legitimately has a top 7 tier or his t- his second tier is, you know, 3 through 7, trade mm-hmm. back. Because that's that makes sense, but yep. if you don't have a tier like that, you can't risk it. It just doesn't make sense. Like last year, for instance, I've heard multiple times now that the Hawks didn't expect to get John Collins, mm-hmm. and they liked John Collins a lot. But they they sat there because they had a tier, and mm-hmm. they had no reason to move up because it was within the same tier. And Collins was in that tier, and they were really really happy to get him. They had him ranked higher than than he actually was. You know, he was higher than 19 on our board. I actually believe that. You know, teams are always going to say that. I do mm-hmm. believe it. I've heard so many times now that I do actually believe it. But they didn't turn up for him. 
Like it wasn't nope. like they had to go get him like so bad that they had to trade up. They didn't. In fact, nope. TJ, TJ Leaf went ahead of John Collins. DJ Wilson went ahead of John Collins in the draft, and the Hawks didn't trade up. Yep. So, it, I mean, you know, Godspeed to Travis Slayton. That was a great pick. It looks like it was a huge value, but uh, it's it's all about tiers and evaluation and value, and that's how it's why it's so hard to sort of uh, evaluate fake trades and talk about fake trades because it's all about value. Like any any pick can be traded for the right price. We saw we saw it a year ago. The number one pick got traded before the draft. Yep. It doesn't usually happen. It happened. It happened last year. If the Hawks traded number three pick for three days from now, it'd be surprising, but it wouldn't be stunning. Like nope. it's just what happens. It's all about value. Uh, I know we're uh, we have to start working on other things. But uh, before I let you get out of here, now that your thoughts are out there on the third pick, anybody deeper in the draft that you are centering on that you like? And I promise I'll let you go after that. Um. It's tough I, to evaluate uh, nineteen thirty and thirty four because they're they're kind of close together, but they're also not. So it's, yeah, it's a weird evaluation for me too. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Melton. Me too. I like Melton. I love like Dave I wouldn't Melton. hate that at nineteen. That's a guy I would take there, hundred percent. Like I like I like like he's just because again, like you, people are like, oh, like, but you have you know, like he's a combo guard guy. Like we don't. If you're talking about the Hawks, like there's not a future guy in the backcourt that you go, that guy's for sure here. Oh no. So like, there's not one, there's not one guard on the roster that I would bet on being on the team to begin the 2018. I'm sorry, the 2019, 20 season. Yeah. So, so like you could definitely use trying to add some kind of depth there. Um, I think the nice thing about the Hawks roster is that I don't think there's a position that you say is like, you just, you can't take like you, you just take, the guy you have evaluated highest and and you take him. If you like, I don't know, if you, for some reason just are like, I love Aaron Holiday. I Solid basketball player. I do too. He's very good. I like Aaron Holiday. Uh, I like Chandler Hutchinson because I watched uh, him put like 43 up and earn me a push in Vegas at like 11 p.m. I was trying to tell you and Martin Rickman about Jalen Hutchinson that day. I was trying to let you, you guys were, know. You were preaching the gospel, and my man came through. He had some clutch free throws. <laughs> He's uh, a very good basketball He had like player. 43, filled it up. A little Mountain West action. I think, I think the only— It was only, against Nevada? It was against Nevada. It was uh, might have been the best game of his career, frankly. Uh, I think the I, it was, only— It's a great one if, if you're talking to the calendar valuation metrics. It's true. Uh, I think the only thing that actually matters positionally— uh, later in the draft is if the Hawks take a big at three, it is a little tough to take another big in this mm-hmm. draft. I wouldn't rule it out completely. Like for instance, if Mitchell Robinson slipped, uh, he has such high upside, and I like him quite a bit. If he if he something was there at thirty, I think you could mm-hmm. still you could still take him, even though you already have two bigs with John Collins and you know draft pick X. Yeah. But aside from I mean, and that's just more of a tiebreaker. But aside from that, like you know. I guess if you're in love with Torian Prince, you have you have your small forward of the future, quote unquote. But guess what? Teams can't have too many wings. The Hawks mm-hmm. could take three wings in this class, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset at all. Can you, can you, let's. Uh, I'm in on Kyrie Thomas at thirty. I like Kyrie Thomas oh. quite a bit at thirty. He was been mocked to the Hawks a couple times. Um, it's kind of weird. This is a, a draft where there's only a, f- a few guys that are like consensus between you know seventeen and thirty five that I wouldn't want. Like flat out yeah. one to one. It's uh, a very small. Yeah. List. You know, with how many picks they have, if they don't get the offers that they like, 
it wouldn't surprise me if they took uh, Musa. Musa. Yeah, if he, I mean, he he's an obvious stash candidate. I think Elliot Kobo is going to come over, but he's a European guy who you can maybe talk over talking to staying over there for a year. He's a little bit older. He's, he'll be twenty one soon if he's not already. Um, and also, if they get real weird about not wanting to have four guys on the roster, they could take Isaac Banga, who is these, this eighteen year old uh, German kid who's six nine with like a seven two wingspan. Yeah, he just announced he's staying. Yeah, he's in staying too. in the draft. Like he would be a reach for me at thirty four. But like if they really right. just decided we have to stash somebody, he would probably be the guy in the second round that's still available yeah. that's worth it because everybody else is kind of um, you know too much of a reach there. I don't know. It's there's so many endless possibilities. Like people always ask me what what they should do at 19, 30, and 34, and it's like, who's available? <laughs> Tell me who's available. 19's a little bit easier to figure out, but like best of luck telling me what order the guys go in from 22 to 34. Like I have no idea. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, Wide tears. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I mean, like, there's. I don't look. I mean, like, I'm not. I, I'm not like deep in the in the draft knowledge books i have guys that i just kind of like like that i remember from a few like chandler i literally watched like two games of him in college and was like that guy could fill it up i could see a use for him on the bench in the nba and this is again when we talk about the 19th pick and i think we talked about this list last year with with regards to john collins i think i brought this up and some people were frustrated with me about it john collins at 19 was a phenomenal pick I don't know exactly what John Collins is going forward as part of a very good basketball team beyond a person you want on it. I don't know if he's a bench big. I don't know if he's a starter. I don't know exactly what he, I know you want him on the roster. And I know next year he's a starter. And, and I know he's way, a starter for a few years. That's a and very, that's, okay. that's a very consensus opinion. Like around the league, like if you got outside the Hawks fan bubble – Everybody kind of likes John Collins. People that I trust around the league that are not Hawks people. Yes. Everybody likes John Collins, but um, they will draw the line at, like, you know, Hawks he's fans just think, just think he's going to be, like, the next guy. And uh, a borderline starter is the way to put it. I think he certainly could be a starter in the league. He yes. could be better than that. But yes. there's a scenario in which he has he's a lot of a work big. still to do. He yeah. still has a lot of work to do on the defensive end to be a starting big man in the league. We talk, you know, the same stuff that I was talking about with where this league is going. If you're going to be a big man who's not a stretch guy, uh, if you're not a power forward, small forward mix, and you're a power forward center type mix, you have to be able to defend some of these longer guys. You have to get better at defending in the pick and roll, which is something that he's, you know, I think he told me he wants to work on, like getting better at defending on the perimeter. Um, so he's going to need to work on foot quickness. He's going to have to get better at staying in front of guys, both bigs and uh, guards when he when he gets switched out there he's just he's got a lot of work on there he's got to diversify his offensive game another thing that he said he wants to work on uh, shooting from the perimeter and look Hawks fans if anybody knows it can take a long time for a guy to develop a, and be comfortable taking a three point shot Al Horford took eight or nine years in this league before he was like really willing to pull I remember uh, our good friend uh, Bo Cherney may he rest in peace uh, wrote a thing I think after a year where Al shot like 15 threes about how Al Horford should shoot more threes and the next year he kind of opened it up and then he really started going for it. And like, that's kind of the evolution guys have to take. And, um, Collins can do that, but it's not going to be next year. It's not like, he's not going to come out next year and hit 34% of his threes. 
taking three a game. Like, it's just not going to happen. But he can get there. Like, you could, you know, he's got good enough offensive skill sets and good enough touch that you can project that he might be able to get there. But, yeah, like, what is he in the NBA? I don't know. So you don't pick saying, like, he this guy's got to fit next to John Collins. No, 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 no. John Collins is not a cornerstone of your franchise. And I love the guy. I think he's absolutely, like I said, he's a guy I want on my roster any day of the week for effort, for skill, for all of those things. But he's not a guy that I say he is penciled in as my four of the future, my five of the future, whatever. And that's okay. So when you're talking about what you want at the 19th overall pick, that's what you're wanting. You're thrilled if you get a guy that can be in the NBA for eight years of the contract you'll have him on. Your eight years of control, if he can stay in the league and be productive, that's phenomenal. Okay? So that's what you should want out of 19. I think that's why I think both of us look at 19, and I think there's a reason that we're in on kind of the guys we think can be solid role players, uh, and neither of us are pie in the sky, like, go take Anthony Simons. Go take, you know, like, you talk about Mitchell Robinson at 30, but you're not talking necessarily as much about him, like really loving him at 19, even though that's who you have in uh, the mock here. Like I can understand, but like, I think the guys that we want are guys that are going to be solid role players. Cause I think that's what you should want out of that pick. It's really dangerous to just say like, when you have a roster that doesn't have enough of those guys for the future, it's really hard to be like, we're going to take the big swing at 19 because the hit percentage there is so, so, so low. Yeah, I mean, you can you can you, see, you can succeed at nineteen by just being smart about what you're prioritizing. Like, I do think there's a there's a calculus where you're looking for upside at some point in this class. If you're the Hawks, you need upside somewhere. I, I totally get that. Like, taking a flyer somewhere in this class makes a ton of sense. So whether it be mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson or Anthony Simons or somebody that has a more or you know at number three you take somebody that you know whatever it doesn't matter. Bamba, like, you can yeah you can look upside somewhere in this class. But I don't think you'd go four upside picks. Like you, no. you have to get somebody. I think somewhere that projects more as a role player type of guy. Maybe a little bit ceiling behind that. I think Melton's sort of that player that has yeah. some more ceiling. You know, Troy Brown, somebody who I think has more ceiling than that, but sort of projects as like a do it all kind of guy out of Oregon. I, I'm with you. You know, being realistic is important. 19 has actually been a pretty productive spot across the league the last few years. But like people throw that in my face, like, look, there's a, a bunch of good players in 19. I'm like, yeah, go look at 18. <laughs> like I, I did that. I did an exercise with somebody the other day, and it was like it's the absolute dregs. It's like Henry Ellenson and TJ Leaf, and like eighteen is hideous. So like I understand yeah. nineteen specifically has gone well or whatever for the last you know decade or so. But that's but not like, how it works. The range, yeah, the range is what you're looking at. Like, yes. got you know, getting a sixteen to twenty two yeah, is what getting you're a looking. successful rotation player is the only realistic benchmark at nineteen. Like obviously you're able to get more than that. There are guys who have fallen beyond 19 who become stars, but it's not a situation where you can expect anything but a rotation player at 19. And at 30, like rotation player is a great result at 30, like outstanding result. Like most number 30 overall picks are not NBA are not NBA rotation players. Like, correct. I mean, Jimmy Butler went 30. Congratulations. I can name, I can name 15 other guys that, that were basically out of the league. Um, right. And so 30 and 34 are sort of a little bit different. I think uh, you could probably talk me into the tier being, and this year's class being a little bit closer together than normal from 19 to 30. But as a thought exercise, 
30 and 34 are a lot less uh, firm. I think if you hit on one of those two picks, you're doing cartwheels. So, yep. Uh, anyway, well, Robbie, I've kept you way too long, man. We've, uh, we have a tendency to do this, you and I, but anything else you want to get out there, please do on the draft. And uh, of course, uh, promote anything that you want as well. If you were out of takes to give. Yeah, no, that's, that's all I got. Uh, <laughs> I gave, I gave you 30 minutes of Trey Young. Time. You did give, uh, that was a, uh, that was a, an all timer. And, and, and I like to think that was fairly measured. I kind of uh, want to pop it out and uh, have that be like a standalone podcast, but I won't do that. I mean, do it. He's coming to, he's, he'll be here tomorrow in Atlanta working out. It's he funny is how those things Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning. So if, if you're listening Tuesday to this on Tuesday, which people probably, most people are. He's uh, in the arena. He is working out at the facility. Or in the facility. Uh, Tuesday morning. I'm planning to be there when he's done. Um, yeah. hope, hopefully talk to him a little bit and uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, lots of uh, context. You know, context is important. I promise we'll have plenty more on the draft in the coming days, please subscribe to the dime podcast, which I was a guest on. I got the distinct privilege to be on the same podcast as Cassidy Hubberth, even though we didn't speak or interact. I will always say that I was on the same podcast as Cassidy Hubberth this week. So. Cassidy Hubberth is a wonderful human being, by the way. Uh, she's always a light, but yeah, subscribe to the dime pod. Um, I don't even know who we have this week. Me. Uh, well, we have, yeah, we have Brad, <laughs> we have Brad, uh, where you in can get more to. Trey young spice, more Trey young spice. Uh, and more, we're going to go deeper into that back half of the lottery. So if you want more talk about those guys beyond just Trey, if you want it's Shy Gill, just Al- Alexander talk, oh, yeah. uh, we'll have stuff like that. Kevin Knox talk, uh, Colin Sexton, those guys will be, we'll be doing that. Um, and talking probably, uh, free agency madness on the front half of that pod with whomever we decide to, uh, shoot a DM to and see if they can talk to us. Uh, Read, read draft coverage and uh, free agency coverage on thegreatuprox.com backslash dime mag. We will be doing it all. We got rumors. We have takes. Uh, I wrote about draft trades today that we could see uh, and forgot to include the nuggets because sometimes I forget things. But uh, that kind of three pieces out there, three, man. Three plus 14. Hawks should take it. Um, that's There's a take. I forgot that take. That's a very obvious take, but yes, it's Arena 14, take it for whatever they want. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. So read that stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, oh, podcast US Open picks coming this week, too. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Tom Chip and I are back after almost a month hiatus for various reasons. Uh, yeah, listen to all the things, read all the things. Uh, as always, read Peachtree Hoops and Brad and the crew, they are. The best Hawks coverage on the planet. Y'all know that already, though. I appreciate uh, the kind words, my friend. Uh, and yeah, please follow Robbie as you, I'm sure you already do. Thank you, sir, for joining me. And we'll have you back very soon, probably post draft, if nothing else. And uh, if something crazy happens, I'll always have it to be down. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate everybody that's been here for the last 400 episodes. <laughs> which is a crazy amount of content. So thanks to everybody that's listened to even one of them. Uh, tell a friend, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, TuneIn Radio, wherever you like to listen to the pod, please go ahead and do that. And we'll be here a lot over the next, you know, nine days or so before the draft. So stay tuned for everything that's coming. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.